Section 4 of The Anatomy of Melancholy, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Anatomy of Melancholy, Volume 3, by Robert Burton. Section 4. Partition 3, Section 1, Member 2, Subsections 2 and 3. Subsection 2. Pleasant Objects of Love Pleasant objects are infinite, whether they be such as have life or be without life. Inanimate are countries, provinces, towers, towns, cities, as he said, pulcheramam insulam vidimus etiam cum non vidimus. We see a fair island by description when we see it not. The sun never saw a fairer city, Thessala Tempe, orchards, gardens, pleasant walks, groves, fountains, etc. The heaven itself is said to be fair or foul. Fair buildings, fair pictures, all artificial, elaborate, and curious works, clothes, give an admirable luster. We admire and gaze upon them, et pueri junonis avem, as children do on a peacock, a fair dog, a fair horse and hawk, etc. Thessalus amat equum pullinum, buculum Egyptius, Lacedaemonius Catulum, etc. Such things we love, are most gracious in our sight, acceptable unto us, and whatsoever else may cause this passion, if it be superfluous or immoderately loved, as Guianerius observes. These things in themselves are pleasing and good, singular ornaments, necessary, comely, and fit to be had. But when we fix an immoderate eye, and dote on them overmuch, this pleasure may turn to pain, bring much sorrow and discontent unto us, work our final overthrow, and cause melancholy in the end. Many are carried away with those bewitching sports of gaming, hawking, hunting, and such vain pleasures, as I have said, some with a moderate desire of fame, to be crowned in the Olympics, knighted in the field, etc., and by these means ruinate themselves. The lascivious dotes on his fair mistress, the glutton on his dishes, which are infinitely varied to please the palate, the epicure on his several pleasures, the superstitious on his idol, and fats himself with future joys, as Turks feed themselves with an imaginary persuasion of a sensual paradise. So several pleasant objects diversely affect diverse men. But the fairest objects and enticings proceed from men themselves, which most frequently captivate, allure, and make them dote beyond all measure upon one another, and that for many respects, first, as some suppose, by that secret force of stars, quadmi tibi temperat astrum, they do singularly dote on such a man, hate such again, and can give no reason for it. Non amo te sabidi, etc. Alexander admired Ephestion, Adrian Antoninus, Nero Sporus, etc. The physicians refer this to their temperament, astrologers to trine and sextile aspects, or opposite of their several ascendants, lords of their genitures, love and hatred of planets, Siconia, to concord and discord of spirits, but most to outward graces. A merry companion is welcome and acceptable to all men, and therefore, saith Gomesius, princes and great men entertain jesters and players commonly in their courts. But pares cum parabus facilime congregantur, Tis that similitude of manners which ties most men in an inseparable link, as if they be addicted to the same studies or disports, 
they delight in one another's companies. Birds of a feather will gather together. If they be of diverse inclinations or opposite in manners, they can seldom agree. Secondly, affability, custom, and familiarity may convert natures many times, though they be different in manners, as if they be countrymen, fellow students, colleagues, or have been fellow soldiers, brethren in affliction. Acerbe calamitatum societas, diversi etiam engine hominus conjungit. Affinity, or some such accidental occasion, though they cannot agree amongst themselves, they will stick together like burrs and hold against a third. So after some discontinuance or death, enmity ceaseth. Or in a foreign place, pascatur in vivis livor post fata quiescit, et cessidere odia, et tristes mors obruit aras. A third cause of love and hate may be mutual offices, acceptum beneficium. Commend him, use him kindly, take his part in a quarrel, relieve him in misery, thou winnest him forever. Do the opposite, and be sure of a perpetual enemy. Praise and dispraise of each other do as much, though unknown, as Shopius by Scaliger and Cassabonus. Mulus mulum scabit. Who but Scaliger with him? What encomiums, epithets, eulogiums? Antistes sapientiae, perpetus dictator, literarum ornamentum, europae miraculum, noble Scaliger. Incredibilis ingeni praestantia, etc., dis potius quam homnibus per omnia comparandus, scripta ejus aurea ancilia de celo de lapsia poplitibus venerarmor flexus, etc. But when they begin to vary, none so absurd as Scaliger, so vile and base, as his books De Burdenum Familia, and other satirical invectives may witness, Ovid, in Ibn, Archilochus himself was not so bitter. Another great tie or cause of love is consanguinity. Parents are clear to their children, children to their parents, brothers and sisters, cousins of all sorts, as a hen and chickens, all of a knot. Every crow thinks her own bird fairest. Many memorable examples are in this kind, and tis portenti simile if they do not. A mother cannot forget her child. Solomon so found out the true owner. Love of parents may not be concealed. Tis natural descends, and they that are inhuman in this kind are unworthy of that air they breathe, and of the four elements. Yet many unnatural examples we have in this rank, of hard-hearted parents, disobedient children, of disagreeing brothers, nothing so common. The love of kinsmen is grown cold. Many kinsmen, as the saying is, few friends. If thine estate be good, and thou be able, par pari referee, to requite their kindness, there will be mutual correspondence. Otherwise thou art a burden, most odious to them above all others. The last object that ties man and man is comeliness of person, and beauty alone, as men love women with a wanton eye, which, kai exochen, is termed heroical, or love melancholy. Other loves, saith Picolomenius, are so called with some contraction, as the love of wine, gold, etc., but this of women is predominant in a higher strain, whose part affected is the liver, and this love deserves a longer explication, and shall be dilated apart in the next section. Subsection 3. Honest Objects of Love Beauty is the common object of all love. As jet draws a straw, so doth beauty love. 
Virtue and honesty are great motives, and give as fair a luster as the rest, especially if they be sincere and right, not fucate, but proceeding from true form and an incorrupt judgment. Those two Venus twins, Eros and Enteros, are then most firm and fast. For many times otherwise men are deceived by their flattering nathos, dissembling chameleons, outsides, hypocrites that make a show of great love, learning, pretend honesty, virtue, zeal, modesty, with affected looks and counterfeit gestures. Feigned protestations often steal away the hearts and favors of men and deceive them, specie virtutis et umbra, when as revera and indeed, there is no worth or honesty at all in them, no truth but mere hypocrisy, subtlety, knavery, and the like. As true friends they are, as he that Caelius Secundus met by the highway side, and hard it is in this temporizing age to distinguish such companions, or to find them out. Such nathos as these for the most part belong to great men, and by this glozing flattery, affability, and such like filters, so dive and insinuate into their favors, that they are taken for men of excellent worth, wisdom, learning, demigods, and so screw themselves into dignities, honors, offices. But these men cause harsh confusion often, and as many times stirs as Rehoboam's counselors in a commonwealth, overthrew themselves and others. Tondlerus and some authors make a doubt whether love and hatred may be compelled by filters or characters, Cardon and Marbodius by precious stones and amulets, astrologers by election of times, etc., as I shall elsewhere discuss. The true object of this honest love is virtue, wisdom, honesty, real worth, interna forma, and this love cannot deceive or be compelled. Ut amorus amabilis esto. Love itself is the most potent philtrum. Virtue and wisdom, gratia gratum faciens, the sole and only grace, not counterfeit, but open, honest, simple, naked, descending from heaven, as our apostle hath it, an infused habit from God, which hath given several gifts, as wit, learning, tongues, for which they shall be amiable and gracious, Ephesians 4, 11, as to Saul's stature and a goodly presence, 1 Samuel 9, 1. Joseph found favor in Pharaoh's court, Genesis 39, for his person, and Daniel with the princes of the eunuchs, Daniel 19, 19. Christ was gracious with God and men, Luke 2.52 There is still some peculiar grace, as of good discourse, eloquence, wit, honesty, which is the primum mobile, first mover, and a most forcible lodestone to draw the favors and good wills of men's eyes, ears, and affections unto them. When Jesus spake, they were all astonished at his answers, Luke 2.47, and wondered at his gracious words which proceeded from his mouth. An orator steals away the hearts of men, and as another Orpheus, quo vult, onde vult, he pulls them to him by speech alone. A sweet voice causeth admiration, and he that can utter himself in good words, in our ordinary phrase, is called a proper man, a divine spirit. For which cause belike, our old poets, senatus populusque poetarum, made Mercury the gentleman usher to the graces, captain of eloquence, and those charities to be Jupiter's and Eurymone's daughters, descended from above. Though they be otherwise deformed, crooked, ugly to behold, those good parts of the mind denominate them fair. 
Plato commends the beauty of Socrates. Yet who is more grim of countenance, stern and ghastly to look upon? So are and have been many great philosophers, as Gregory Nazianzen observes, deformed most part in that which is to be seen with the eyes, but most elegant in that which is not to be seen. Saipe suba trita latitat sapientia vesta. Aesop, Democritus, Aristotle, Politianus, Melanchthon, Gesner, etc. Withered old men, Seleni Alcibiades, very harsh and impolite to the eye. But who were so terse, polite, eloquent, generally learned, temperate, and modest? No man then living was so fair as Alcibiades, so lovely, quo ad superficium, to the eye, as Boethius observes. But he had corpus torpissimum interne, a most deformed soul. Honesty, virtue, fair conditions are great enticers to such as are well given, and much avail to get the favor and good will of men. Abdolominus in Curtius, a poor man, but which mine author notes the cause of this poverty was his honesty, for his modesty and continency from a private person, for they found him digging in his garden, was saluted king, and preferred before all the magnificos of his time. Injecta i vestis purpura aroque distincta. A purple embroidered garment was put upon him, and they bade him wash himself, and, as he was worthy, take upon him the style and spirit of a king, continue his continency and the rest of his good parts. Titus Pomponius Atticus, that noble citizen of Rome, was so fair-conditioned, of so sweet a carriage, that he was generally beloved of all good men, of Caesar, Pompey, Antony, Tully, of diverse sects, etc. Multas hereditates, Cornelius Nepos writes, sole banitate consequitus, operae pretium adire, etc. It is worthy of your attention, Livy cries, you that scorn all but riches, and give no esteem to virtue, except they be wealthy withal. Quintus Cincinnatus had but four acres, and by the consent of the Senate was chosen dictator of Rome. Of such account were Cato, Fabricius, Aristides, Antonius, Probus, for their eminent worth. So Caesar, Trajan, Alexander admired for valor. Hyphestion loved Alexander, but Parmenio the king, Titus Deliciae Humani Generis, and which Aurelius Victor hath of Vespasian, the darling of his time, as Edgar Etheling was in England for his excellent virtues. Their memory is yet fresh, sweet, and we love them many ages after, though they be dead. Suavem memoriam sui reliquit, saith Lipsius of his friend, living and dead they are all one. I have ever loved, as thou knowest, so Tully wrote to Dolabella, Marcus Brutus, for his great wit, singular honesty, constancy, sweet conditions, and believe it there is nothing so amiable and fair as virtue. I do mightily love Calvicinus, so Pliny writes to Sosius, a most industrious, eloquent, upright man, which is all in all with me. The affection came from his good parts. And as St. Augustine comments on the 84th Psalm, there is a peculiar beauty of justice and inward beauty which we see through the eyes of our hearts, love and are enamored with, as in martyrs, Though their bodies be torn in pieces with wild beasts, yet this beauty shines, and we love their virtues. The Stoics are of opinion that a wise man is only fair. 
and Cato in Tully three De Finibus contends the same, that the lineaments of the mind are far fairer than those of the body, incomparably beyond them. Wisdom and valor, according to Xenophon, especially deserve the name of beauty, and denominate one fair. Et incomparabiliter pulcrier est, as Augustine holds, veritas Christianorum quam Helena Graecorum. Wine is strong, the king is strong, women are strong, but truth overcometh all things. Esdras 1, 3, 10, 11, 12. Blessed is the man that findeth wisdom, and getteth understanding, for the merchandise thereof is better than silver, and the gain thereof better than gold. It is more precious than pearls, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared to her. Proverbs 2, 13, 14, 15. A wise, true, just, upright, and good man, I say it again, is only fair. It is reported of Magdalene, Queen of France, and wife to Louis Eleventh, a Scottish woman by birth, that, walking forth in an evening with her ladies, she spied M. Alanus, one of the king's chaplains, a silly, old, hard-favored man fast asleep in a bower, and kissed him sweetly. When the young ladies laughed at her for it, she replied, that it was not his person that she did embrace and reverence, but, with a platonic love, the divine beauty of his soul. Thus in all ages virtue hath been adored, admired, a singular luster hath proceeded from it, and the more virtuous he is, the more gracious, the more admired. No man so much followed upon earth as Christ himself, and as the psalmist saith, 14.2, he was fairer than the sons of men. Chrysostom homily 8 on Matthew, Bernard de Omnibus Sanctis, Augustine, Cassiodore, interpreted it of the beauty of his person. There was a divine majesty in his looks. It shined like lightning and drew all men to it. But Basil, Cyril, Theodoret, Arnobius, etc., of the beauty of his divinity, justice, grace, eloquence, etc. Thomas, on the Psalms 14, of both, and so doth Baradius and Peter Morales, Liber de Pulchritudine, Jesu et Mariae, adding as much of Joseph and the Virgin Mary, Haec alias forma praesaserit omnes, according to that prediction of Sibylla Cumea. Be they present or absent, near us or afar off, this beauty shines and will attract men many miles to come and visit it. Plato and Pythagoras left their country to see those wise Egyptian priests, Apollonius travelled into Ethiopia, Persia, to consult with the Magi, Brahmani, Gymnosophists. The Queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon, and many, saith Hiram, went out of Spain and remote places a thousand miles to behold that eloquent Livy. Multi Romum non ut erbum pulcherimam, aut urbus et orbus dominum octavianum, sed ut hunc unum inviserent adorentque, a gabidus profecti sunt. No beauty leaves such an impression, strikes so deep, or links the souls of men closer than virtue. Non per Deus aut pictor posset, aut statutarius ulus fingere, talem pulcritudinem qualem virtus habet. No painter, no graver, no carver can express virtue's luster, or those admirable rays that come from it, those enchanting rays that enamor posterity, those everlasting rays that continue to the world's end. Many, saith Faberinus, 
that loved and admired Alcibiades in his youth, knew not, cared not for Alcibiades a man, nunc intuentes quaerebans Alcibiadum. But the beauty of Socrates is still the same. Virtue's luster never fades, is ever fresh and green, semper viva to all succeeding ages, and a most attractive lodestone to draw and combine such as are present. For that reason belike, Homer feigns the three graces to be linked and tied hand in hand, because the hearts of men are so firmly united with such graces. O oh, sweet bands, Seneca exclaims, which so happily combine, that those which are bound by them love their binders, desiring withal much more harder to be bound, and as so many geryons to be united into one. For the nature of true friendship is to combine, to be like affected, of one mind, Vele et nolle ambobus idem, satiataque toto, mens ivo, as the poet saith, still to continue one and the same. And where this love takes place there is peace and quietness, a true correspondence, perfect amity, a diapason of vows and wishes, the same opinions, as between David and Jonathan, Damon and Pythias, Pylades and Orestes, Nisus and Euryalus, Theseus and Pirithus. They will live and die together, and prosecute one another with good turns. Nam vinci in amore turpissimum putant. Not only living, but when their friends are dead, with tombs and monuments, ninias, epithets, elegies, inscriptions, pyramids, obelisks, statues, images, pictures, histories, poems, annals, feasts, anniversaries, many ages after, as Plato's scholars did, they will parentare still omit no good office that they may tend to the preservation of their names, honors, and eternal memory. Ilum coloribus, ilum sera, ilum are, etc. He did express his friends in colors, in wax, in brass, in ivory, marble, gold, and silver, as Pliny reports of a citizen in Rome, and in a great auditory not long since recited a just volume of his life. In another place, speaking of an epigram which Marshall had composed in praise of him, he gave me as much as he might, and would have done more if he could, though what can a man give more than honor, glory, and eternity? But that which he wrote peradventure will not continue, yet he wrote it to continue. Tis all the recompense a poor scholar can make his well-deserving patron, Messinus, friend, to mention him in his works, to dedicate a book to his name, to write his life, etc., as all our great poets, orators, historiographers have ever done, and the greatest revenge such men take of their adversaries, to persecute them with satires, invectives, etc., and tis both ways of great moment, as Plato gives us to understand. Paulus Jovius, in the fourth book of the life and deeds of Pope Leo Decimus, his noble patron, concludes in these words, Because I cannot honor him as other rich men do, with like endeavor, affection, and piety, I have undertaken to write his life. Since my fortunes will not give me leave to make a more sumptuous monument, I will perform those rites to his sacred ashes, which a small, perhaps, but a liberal wit can afford. But I rove. Where this true love is wanting, there can be no firm peace. Friendship from teeth outward, counterfeit, or for some by respects, so long dissembled till they have satisfied their own ends, which, upon every small occasion, breaks out into enmity, open war, defiance, heart-burnings, whispering, calumnies, contentions, and all manner of bitter melancholy discontents. 
and those men which have no other object of their love than greatness, wealth, authority, etc., are rather feared than beloved. Nec amant quemquam, nec amantur ab ulo. And howsoever born with for a time, yet for their tyranny and oppression, griping, covetousness, currish hardness, folly, intemperance, imprudence, and such like vices, they are generally odious, abhorred of by all, both God and men. Non uxor salvum te vult, non filius omnes, vicini odurunt. Wife and children, friends, neighbors, all the world forsakes them, would fain be rid of them, and are compelled many times to lay violent hands on them, or else God's judgment overtake them. Instead of graces come furies. So when fair Abigail, a woman of singular wisdom, was acceptable to David, Nabal was churlish and evil-conditioned. And therefore Mordecai was received when Haman was executed, Haman the favorite, that had his seat above the other princes, to whom all the king's servants that stood in the gates bowed their knees and reverenced. Though they flourished many times, such hypocrites, such temporizing foxes, and blear the world's eyes by flattery, bribery, dissembling their natures, or other men's weakness, that cannot so apprehend their tricks, yet in the end they will be discerned and precipitated in a moment. Surely, saith David, thou hast set them in slippery places. Psalm 37, 5. As so many Sejani, they will come down to the Gemonian scales. And as Eusebius in Ammianus, that was in such authority, ad jubendum imperatorem, be cast down headlong on a sudden. Or put case they escape, and rest unmasked to their lives' end. Yet after their death their memory stinks as a snuff of a candle put out, and those that durst not so much as mutter against them in their lives will prosecute their names with satires, libels, and bitter imprecations. They shall mail audire in all succeeding ages, and be odious to the world's end. End of section 4